Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, getting over a bit of a cold. Oh, all right. Um, but that's okay. I'm not going to have to do any of the heavy lifting this episode because once again we have a guest. I'm just going to toss it to her and then sit back. I'm actually going to drop the mic and cross my hands behind my head, lay back in the chair. and uh, Will you drop the mic in a very dramatic fashion yeah, like you've I'll made say, your point yeah and once i've made a point mm-hmm. I'll, I'll then say i'm out and drop the mic well people have been waiting for 200 something episodes for you to make <laughs> a point and uh <laughs> so still be waiting so but, i mentioned right. a guest uh let's get right to it okay. uh, let's get into it uh our, our guest is as usual um uh, a, a comedian from the uh sort of los angeles uh comedy scene um you can see uh her you could see videos of her stand-up online and her uh uh i guess sketch group birds of prey is that the right well you know what i'll let her tell you about it uh susan burke ladies and gentlemen hey how's it going i'm good i'm actually getting over a bit of a cold too yeah so it's going around yeah it's super going around i was supposed to go uh, uh my girlfriend was sick all last week and i was uh and we had plans to go to Disneyland on Saturday. And I was like, you're going to be better for Disneyland, right? You're going to be better. And she was like, just as she got better in time for Disneyland, you got it. I got horribly sick. We didn't get to go to Disneyland this weekend. Oh, you didn't man. go to... Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, going to Disneyland sick would be awful, though. Yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty sick. But I did go to Umami Burger. <laughs> so <laughs> the burger tasted good, as far as I know, because I was pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about uh, Umami Burger, uh, to a point. Um, <laughs> I have I seem to recall somewhere reading one bad review. <laughs> yeah, there was this remember. internet troll uh, on Yelp. All these good reviews. Some no. Avenger. I, I hate Umami Burger. <laughs> uh, I would like to be the voice of dissent and say that Umami Burger is not... Actually, it's fine, but people act like it's the best burger ever, and it's what not. What do you think? Are you into... To hamburgers? Oh yeah. What is your favorite burger? Uh, in LA? Yeah. Or yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. There's a f- there's, Fat Burger is really really mm-hmm. good. Um, and there's a Fat Burger right near the Umami Burger where I had the bad experience. Um, but that's overpriced too for what you get. You and know? Fat Burger like it, you know, to the naked eye looks like a fast food establishment, right. but you always have to wait like twenty twenty five y- minutes for yeah. your burger. It's like a sit down restaurant with like a crappy atmosphere, yeah. but really good food. It is good. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a new place. Um, oh God, I don't remember what it's called, but I can I'll, I'll look on my phone as is to what, what the name it? of it. It's on uh, Hyperion. Oh. Uh, it's like a little. Oh, it's burger a Burger place. King. Uh, I've been there. <laughs> it's a Burger. It's this Burger King. <laughs> That's what it is. There's a lot. It turns out there's more than one. It's kind of a <laughs> presumptuous fantastic. name, but uh, <laughs> they're backing it up. You know what? I uh, have you ever been to Pie and Burger in Pasadena? Yes. That place is great. That place is really good. Yeah, and and sort of like, uh, um, if it, like you have to tell them exactly what you want on your burger, or you're just gonna get. A burger and a bun, and I like that. That you like it doesn't it doesn't come with the sort of preset standard uh, condiments. You get to, you have to tell them. Are you saying that you would like to get it your way? Because I know this other burger place <laughs> really? where the one you I'm can hearing. get it your way right away. I'm I'm loving it. Um, Wendy's, <laughs> Arby's. <laughs> so okay, I, I I mentioned that you're 
uh, a stand-up comic that I certainly have seen locally. We were just talking about the Tomorrow Show. Uh, so how did you, let's see, where are you from? How did you get into stand-up comedy? Where can people find you on the internet? We'll do more plugs at the end, but okay. that's sort of the um, open-ended, let's get to know Susan Burke uh, question. Well, I grew up in uh, Casper, Wyoming, um, which there's not a big comedy scene there, sure. as you can imagine. Um, there's like a ranching scene, uh-huh. a meth scene, um, pretty good punk rock scene, hmm. but uh, that's about it. Um, and I came out to Los Angeles sort of not knowing what I wanted to do. Like I've always really enjoyed writing and uh, performing. Um, I went to acting school and hated it. Like, Where did you go? Uh, Stella Adler. Okay. Um, well, I didn't, I, this is just me ripping on places like, you know, me, Burger, terrible, Stella Adler, <laughs> terrible. I mean, it's fine. I had gone to acting school in London, actually, which I loved, but it was very expensive mm-hmm. um, to stay there. When I was when I was 18, I went there and um, and kind of came out to Los Angeles thinking it would be like that. Um, and it just wasn't. It was just so much about how you look and like just bullshit. Like all the I hate all the bullshit of the industry. And in comedy, too, and mm-hmm. in writing, in everything. Like, it just sucks. Um, it's, I'm amazed that anything good gets made, period, right. because of all the shitty channels. stuff. You can say bad words on here, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. We don't, even, the... we don't think of any bad <laughs> words. <laughs> well, in that case, cock face. <laughs> um, but just all the channels that you have to go through to get stuff done. Um, so somehow, I, I'd, I'd taken Groundlings classes, and some of my friends there were doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw it and was like, I could do this and started doing it and, and loved it. So So how long have you been in Los Angeles? I have forever. Okay. Um, for a while, since like two thousand one or something. Oh, so okay. But I haven't been doing comedy. I've been doing comedy a while but not that long, like six years. And what made you like get into comedy? That is it like such a specific calling, especially because, you know, you wanted you know, acting was something that interested you and comedy you run across a lot of people that do both but comedy is such a very specific thing. Like, what drew you to that? Yeah, I mean, I I still, it's, it's kind of weird, because, like, through doing comedy, like, I, I still act, and I've probably done more acting because of doing comedy than mm. um, than I would have otherwise, but I, I just, like, stand-up in particular is cool, because you don't have to rely on anybody else, mm-hmm. and you can just kind of show up, and if you do a bad job, it's all on you, and if you do a good job, it's all on you. So, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it's it's just easy in in that way like it's a it's like instant uh an instant way to like just get up and and say what you want and then and then go home but i mean you you talk about the the groundlings and 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 stand up and stuff but i've also seen you do more i guess sketch things people like yeah. things with other people and now you've got uh birds of prey which is my understanding in no way related to the short-lived WB TV superhero program not at all <laughs> we had no idea ab- about birds of prey um until we had already come up with the name and right. we're just like well you know we'll still and people we'll started still asking you which which one is oracle <laughs> yeah and I, I i like comic books but i'm definitely not like a a comic book nerd or anything uh-huh. so i i wasn't aware of it um and emily came up with the name and i i think it's a great name so yeah who are the so people on it. in it's uh, emily Maya mills and lizzie cooperman and um they're both crazy crazy talented um yeah. Uh, Stay tuned. Yeah, I normally don't. Spoil, we, Emily Maya Mills will be on the show in uh, just a few weeks. Oh, awesome! She's already, yeah, booked. She's so, great. Yeah. So how did how did um, how did Birds of Prey come together, and how do you enjoy 
I mean, that's lame. Uh, but how do you compare doing the sketch thing to the the stand up thing? And did you do stand up um, first? I know I, I keep asking these like multi part questions. Um, no, I did I did sketch first before okay. I ever did stand up. I guess I did improv and then sketch and then stand up. Um, but it's always been like back and forth, you know. Like oh, I like to do sketch stuff a lot, and I like to do stand up stuff a lot. Um, both are really fun, but yeah, they're really different. And uh, Birds of Prey, I know Emily and Lizzie both from doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both great stand-ups. And Emily does a ton of sketch. Um, she does a lot of stuff at UCB. Mm-hmm. Um, she's on a, a team there, a, a troupe or whatever it's called over there called Hot Mess, who they're great. Um, and Lizzie uh, hadn't done a lot of sketch, but she's, like, super theatrical in her stand-up. Yeah. Um, so it, it came out actually like... Um, I was with a, a management company, and they suggested like forming uh, a female sketch group. And um, this didn't make me sound so like weird. And I thought, okay, like I'd like to do that. And I'd done um, I'd done sketch groups before, and I'd uh, done like female sketch groups before, and, and all those things are great, and I'm like proud of them. But it's like I I really want to work with you know the like ideal people, and I'd, like meditated, <laughs> and those are the two names that like. They like came to me, um, and I asked them both, and they both were down to do it. Which they're like the dream people to work with. They're so nice and so good, and like they're so different from each other and from me. Um, I have multiple questions based on this story you just <laughs> told me. Um, let's. I want to start with your. So your management. Did they say like? They just said to you female sketch group or did they, did they also manage the other two did they try and was it like 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 a backstreet voice type of thing <laughs> it was <laughs> kind of a backstreet voice type of thing um i mean they, they weren't they weren't saying like here's three funny people they were literally just saying we can sell this uh or, or if it's yeah with this, it, it, like, develop it um right. nothing nothing's been sold um and uh and we're actually working independently um now but right but I, yeah i guess that, I, yeah. sell is not the word, right word but just sort of like they they were just pitching a hook to you. Yeah, they were just like, what are some things that you're into doing? Like, right. you know, kind of trying to figure out. I think, like, a, a problem with me, um, and probably the problem with a lot of people, is, like, figuring out how to, like, market somebody. Of, like, uh-huh. you're not exactly this person, and you're not exactly that person, because you're yourself, you know? Right. And, like, people don't know how to deal with that. So it's like, <laughs> well, what, what, how can we make you like palatable how do people understand you you know like what are things you want to do and they were great um and one was like oh i I like doing sketches and they're like what about a female sketch group and i was like yeah you know and they said you know figure out some people you'd like to work with and and so we did and uh so it was like a backstreet boys type thing kind of in the suggestion oh (laughs) sorry i I have it on automatic now so it just turns on (laughs) yeah um so you're so you're sort of the uh, you're you're like the ringleader then of Birds of Prey. You're you're no you're in charge. No, no, that's that's what's you're cool the Graham about Chapman. It. No, like that's that's what's <laughs> ultra cool about Birds of Prey is like it's and maybe that's a good thing about there being three. Mm-hmm. Like there's not like a main person. Right. Um, and you know I I don't I think that we're all we're all really into each other. So nobody's like. I'm much more talented than them and and nobody is like oh like I suck like they're the leader like everybody's like oh they're good at this and they're good at this and um now to break from comedy for a second can I ask you about meditation <laughs> yeah is yeah. this something you do regularly uh no I mean yeah uh, 
you know, I try. Um. But I, I, I feel like over the past maybe year or so, I've heard a lot more people talk about meditation, but in more or less like, I guess the word is like secular terms. Right. Like sort of actually talking about the mental effect that it has on you and the clarifying effect without the spiritual or higher plane type of stuff is that or or or, and and not that i'm judging that if that's how you feel about it Uh, which one i guess which which side do you come down on i don't i mean it feels so pretentious but talking about meditation i feel like anything anything into the realm of like spirituality i I feel like is either like preachy or pretentious you know like Uh i was just meditating and it just it just came to me um but yeah i mean i suppose that that's sort of the way that I get into spirituality as right. opposed to like any kind of like organized religion or, or it's, it's easier. Um, so, but I don't really know what, uh, I don't know what I believe in. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. You're your own, uh, <laughs> spirit guide. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's a movie called, uh, well, this, uh, we can talk about movies now. Um, there's a character actor from the like 40s and 50s named Timothy Carey. He died young. He's in Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. He's mm-hmm. uh sort of like the like crazy like Christopher Walken like uh go-to weird guy character actor of his day. And he saved up some money he'd made from doing these bit parts and wrote, directed and starred in this movie called The World's Greatest Sinner, which is I've talked about it on the podcast before when we had Frank Conniff on, we were talking about bad movies because it is terrible <laughs> but it's fascinating but the whole idea is that he uh he quits his job and starts essentially a cult where the idea is that anyone who joins the cult can be their own god so <laughs> doesn't that, that isn't that kind of self-defeating yeah <laughs> you've joined the cult all right now that you're here you can do whatever you want but you still have to be part of the cult and pay your dues and stuff. <laughs> you're going to have to see the movie. And I, I do, so. as awful as it is, I do recommend people watch it because it's uh, it's awful in the best way. It's so crazy. Like, he literally, he, he leaves no room for any scene to breathe. Like, as soon as the last line in the scene is spoken, literally the second the last word is out of the person's mouth, it cuts to the next scene. It's the most sort of, like, utilitarian awesome. way of editing and telling a, a, a filmic story. I've ever seen, but okay. So I've uh, Tyler. Do you have any questions for Susan before we uh, before I ask her what her favorite movies are? Uh, no. Okay. Not to imply I'm not interested, uh, <laughs> but I feel like you've uh, you've asked. All I did the, such all a great questions. job, right? Yeah. Best David, inter- best interview you've ever had. Right? Best, yes. Yeah. David, you're the one wearing the tie. When it comes to interview <laughs> questions, it's all. Is you. this a thing now where you mention that I I come here straight from work? It, but right. you have mentioned my tie on each of the last like five episodes. Because to me, it's still relatively new. I only see really w- once, maybe twice a week, uh, but on average about once. And yeah. and so seeing you with the tie, because I, re- David, I remember a David Bax who wore the the baggy pants, yeah, and the and the tight fitting t shirts. And uh, were tight fitting t-shirts. They seem tight. They seem tight to me. I wore very loose. T-shirts. Maybe I was just fatter then. I don't think so. You were very, you were very thin. You kept. Uh, you remember how you kept the weight off? You'd go to your your parties and you'd dance around. All right. <laughs> I did okay. not specify the, what kind of yeah, parties. These by are the my way. raver days. You're talking about. Yes. What's funny? We've totally blocked Susan out of this I'm conversation. I'm sorry, Susan. But we said before that 
I, Tyler and I have known each other for what twelve years now. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're probably the oldest friend I have that I'm still in any contact with. Damn and right. yet, I'd say eighty five percent of the conversations that we have are on mic on the podcast. We barely talk outside yeah. of the show. So yes, so. I'm sorry to have turned it into a bit, but I still see you as a guy who's, uh, you know, you don't get hey. It's a good combination. It's a winning combination right now. The blue shirt, the khakis, the nice uh, shoes, and the tie. That's a good-looking tie. I'm not speaking against it. It just feels like you're uh, trying to be something you're not. But we'll talk about that <laughs> how, off mic. How did you guys meet? I'm sure uh, it's covered on other episodes. Not for a while. Um, we were both uh, theater kids, I guess, in high school. We went to high school on opposite sides of the state of Missouri. And uh, the Missouri thespian society there's an international thespian society i'm sure you did you do theater in high school do you uh no okay no actually Um, yes but no not at high school so the missouri thespian society had a conference every year and one year they decided here's what we're going to do at this year's conference this would have been uh our junior year um they're going to hold auditions for the cast and interviews for the crew of a play and then for the next year they're going to meet once a month to rehearse and put together a show, and then at the next year's, so our senior year's uh, conference, they're going to put on a play that's sort of, it's sort of like making the all-state team right. in a sport. This was like the all-state play. I think yeah. that's actually what they called it, the all-state play. Um, and Tyler was cast as the sheriff in uh, William Inge's bus stop, Yep. and I was the sound guy because I was a technician, not an actor, and that's how we met. Oh, yep. awesome. Where in Missouri? I'm from St. Louis. I lived in Springfield. Okay. Well, Nixa. Nixa. Hey, uh, take what you can get. There's a big independent uh, film scene in Columbia, Missouri. I've shot a couple things there, yeah. so I know. Columbia's a... Uh, no, Columbia. Definitely. Even though, I mean, Springfield's a college town, quote-unquote. It has certainly changed since uh, you and I lived there. I'll say that. Okay. Because Columbia is definitely, like, of the of the like Missouri college towns, the most sort of college in terms right. of, like, music scene and indie, like, Indie rock and stuff like that. It's very much like a college town type of place. Columbia is a really cool little city. Yeah, so you, I like be, it. you say you've been there? Yeah. Um, I've shot two scenes there yeah. now. Um, and yeah, it seems like because uh, they have the True False uh, Film Festival there, the documentary festival. Like, mm-hmm. And uh, there's just a lot of there's there's a lot of people that are really talented um, filmmakers that that live there and I think shoot there now mm-hmm. because it, cheaper to obviously shoot there than here mm-hmm. um but yeah it's kind of weird like i i now like have friends that are like producers and stuff in columbia and they're they're really cool um so you're calling susan brooke is calling it right now columbia missouri is the next austin it possibly <laughs> yeah that, um, would, that would be fantastic they have a really cool uh like movie theater slash video store slash bar and cafe called ragtag wow. um that's that's time. awesome it's like the art house theater and then it's a really nice, um, like like bar and coffee shop, and it's crazy because I, I assume that like oh the, everyone here is like you know early twenties college kids or you know late teens early twenties, but there's like a bunch of you know like late twenties early thirties like kind of hip like film people there now, which is like totally hmm. totally blew my mind um, because when I first uh, found out I was going there, I was like uh. <laughs> you know like that sounds awful but uh, it's great and and i like the midwest a lot um yeah. i like it uh more than the mountain west where i'm from uh though it's, it's like the land is more boring um the mountain west is prettier but the midwest the people i like better 
It is interesting. Uh, did you see uh, Winter's Bone? Yes. Um, so I, a couple people that I went to school with, uh, or uh, high school with, uh, are in the film, and uh, and I always it always struck they, me they as shot that movie like maybe half an hour from where you went yeah to high school. Oh, wow. right around that area, yeah. um, and uh, and so it was interesting to me. By interesting, of course, I mean uh, I, I'm, I'm deeply bitter about it now. But uh, just this realization is like I I went to film school in Chicago. I move out to Los Angeles. You stayed where you were in Missouri, <laughs> right. and you're the one in the Oscar-nominated film. Yep. Uh, that's very disheartening, but that's all right. It's so, okay. Uh, yeah, I do want to get to movies, but I want to know what, uh, what Casper, Wyoming is like, or what Wyoming, what's it like? How big is, is Casper? Casper, um, I think now it's close to 60,000 people. Okay. Um, it was always, you know, around there, like fifty to 60,000 um, people. And it's sort of, it's right in the middle of Wyoming. There's no, it's like suburb size, but it, there's no, like, nearby city. So. What is the biggest city in Wyoming? Uh, Cheyenne, Cheyenne, which is basically a part of Colorado. Like, Cheyenne is, like, 30 minutes from, maybe even less, like, 30 miles from, like, the Colorado-Wyoming border. Um, so, like, I think when, when people tend to think of Wyoming, um, Unless they're thinking of, like, Dick Cheney or Matthew Shepard, which are <laughs> tragic things to think of. Um, they'll think of, like, Jackson Hole and, like, Yellowstone, which, like, Yellowstone's amazing, obviously. Jackson Hole, just, like, pretentious, like, just, like, Vale or, you know, Aspen or one of those places um, with a bunch of rich people. So that is not how Wyoming is at all. Because, um, yeah, Wyoming is uh, a lot of sheep ranchers. My family were sheep ranchers, so... Um, that's that's the oh. stock I come from. So th- um, you grew up. I mean, you mentioned. I mean, you refer to it as suburb-like, but you you grew up on a oh, ranch. No, I did not grow up on a ranch. Okay. I mean, my like my family, like my dad's family. Um, okay. But m- my parents were a lawyer and a teacher, so that's oh. pretty jobs you could have anywhere. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 not normal place actually. Like I would say, like oh, it's like a normal place, but it's not. Like it's it's a weird. <laughs> I guess Wyoming's a weird place. I wouldn't. I, I mean, I have friends that are still there. Um, uh, you know, great friends. Um, m- one of my best friends, uh, Lauren, is still there, and she is in a really great uh, punk rock band, and they oh. tour all around. And um, what do they call them? They're called the Front. Okay. Um, I don't know them, but I thought there's. A couple thousand people will listen to this, and maybe they could check. They them should out. actually. They um, they're great. They uh, if people are punk fans, um, they currently are on East Coast tour with the Queers, um, mm-hmm. and they it just you know they they play all around the country and and all around the world, but they're stationed in Wyoming, and they're probably. I mean, there's not that many good female fronted punk bands, and um, they're one of them. Yeah. So, and they're still there, but like. I don't know. Like, they're the reason I I go back. <laughs> like, other than that, I'm just like, oh, that place is weird. I uh, I lived in uh, Denver, uh, Colorado for a while, and uh, my family and I took a trip through Jackson Hole to see, um, you know, uh, Yellowstone. And, um, and I was young enough to not have a general uh, idea of, like, a hipster-type uh, place right. like Vail or anything. But... Uh, but I, I I remember loving it. I have I having not lived there, of course, but having just been through, I have uh, I remember it being uh, like an incredibly beautiful 
uh, place. Beautiful. I really liked it. It's super duper beautiful. Um, I shouldn't. I feel bad like harshing on Wyoming because I I feel like no like that I've lived here and I've lived in Wyoming and it's basically it. And everywhere I go, like people are like Ugh, L.A. and like that's you know <laughs> when I lived in Wyoming, going down to Denver, people be like Ugh, Wyoming, you know, like because people in Colorado for some reason are the most like pretentious people in the country. Yeah, I don't know right. what it is. Uh, like Colorado people, they're not from Colorado, um, but for some reason, like well, some of them are, but like they they think that like they're better than everybody else in the in the country. Yeah, I can't figure it out. I can't uh, either. I've lived. A lot of places in a lot of states, and some of my best friendships came out of Colorado, so I'm not speaking anything against those people, right. but there does seem to be something there where it's just like, we're from Colorado. Yeah. We, we're, we've got the Rocky Mountains. It's like, yeah, they go into other states too, but they're, they don't have this attitude. But those people are cool. Yeah, it's like even Utah is crazy beautiful, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's the whole Mormon thing and stuff, but you don't get like a like pretentious attitude about utah you certainly don't get that from wyoming like and you definitely don't get that from like montana and i think that you know or new mexico (laughs) or you know like (laughs) it's weird but colorado for some reason people and there's great people in colorado yeah obviously i don't know uh arizona when i was moving out here the u-haul broke down in arizona two different people stopped to help us and when we said they said where are you headed we said los angeles both of them said why (laughs) <laughs> they live in Arizona, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then you counter with, "Why aren't you coming with me, <laughs> like, Los Angeles? Let me get my bags." There's yeah. the ocean. <laughs> yeah, Arizona. I find that Arizona, that's my least favorite state, and I, I'm sure there's cool parts of Arizona too. But um, I find that Arizona is like everything bad I always imagined about LA. <laughs> but worse like just the whole like plastic surgery oh, like yeah. you know like boob jobs like just corny people like kind of broy guys and just people just getting like wasted and like fighting and being like fuck yeah like just bad fratty uh, maybe it's just girls gone wild videos that i've seen that take place in <laughs> oh, like right. havasu like, but uh, yeah like havasu and, and then of course there's like the whole anti-immigration thing yeah. there. And then did you did you ever watch DMX's reality show? It went for one season. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is not a question. I don't think I don't think anybody expected you to ask that. Well, I think apparently the like um, the laws for carrying guns are pretty liberal yeah. in Arizona because the entire series he and his entire crew would have just huge handguns strapped to their waist. They were like go playing golf. And like drinking on the golf course, and like they're teeing off with these gigantic <laughs> hand cannons on the uh, on their hips. <laughs> so yeah, Arizona seems like a, biza- a bizarre. And playing place. golf because it's Arizona. Yeah, that's. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think if I had known now what I knew then about Arizona, the U-Haul breaking down there would have been a more terrifying <laughs> <laughs> experience for me. I saw. I was in Yuma, Arizona, one time, and I saw like a really shitty old limo like an old limo with monster truck tires on it and it was one of the coolest <laughs> things i've ever seen <laughs> so there's that that's awesome <laughs> i think uh, i think you might have just redeemed arizona in <laughs> yeah. my eyes yeah. although i have to assume the person who owned that thing maybe the most insufferable person in the world or the most awesome i don't know one of those two i, I don't think the there's awesome. any m- probably yeah <laughs> But uh, uh, I've long uh, hold on. I want to talk about Arizona more. Okay, or one more thing because I've 
growing up, my what I thought of when I thought of Arizona was the opening lines to that Eagles song where he's standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I hate the Eagles, and I feel like this will get us into movies. I feel like over the past 10 years or so, I've had to say, because I've always hated the Eagles, but I have to say, <laughs> no, it's not just because of the Big Lebowski. I mm. do hate the Eagles, and I've hated them before I saw the Big, Lebo- Big Lebowski, and I will continue to hate them for as long as I live or as long as I have sense in my head. So, so it's not a Big Lebowski thing. How do you feel about the Eagles, Susan? I'm I, I indifferent mean, to the Eagles. I mean, I don't like them, but I don't think I've heard enough. Like, I've never intentionally listened to the Eagles. So, uh-huh. like, I can't really say, like, oh, I hate the Eagles. But I, when they're playing, I'll change the radio station. You yeah. Know? They're a radio band. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't change the station, but I do think, like, I'll just get through it. Right. Like, it's just like, okay, well, this one... This one's not a win for me, but I won't change the station. I'll just, I'll just wait for the next one uh, with anticipation. They always seem like uh, they just always seem like they were playing at something. Like they had heard a type of music <laughs> that they wanted to <laughs> yeah. be, and then the and like I don't know anything about their background as individuals, but like they were like, nah, let's be a folksy country rock band. <laughs> like that sells, right? Here's what I like about the way you just phrased that is that <laughs> if you were to ever meet uh, Don Henley, I believe is the guy, right? That's it's one of the guys with Glenn Fry. Okay, that's I only know one. Joe name. Walsh. He wasn't in the band originally, but um, if you were to meet this person, you I could see you squinting your eyes and saying, "What are you playing at?" He's <laughs> <laughs> just it's just approaching them with suspicion, not even just contempt. But uh, that's right. neither here nor there. I David. mentioned the Big Lebowski. Do you like the Big Lebowski? I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, everyone does. I was right? gonna say, it, raising Arizona is is a oh, great yeah. Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about movies. What are some of your uh, What are some of your favorite movies? What are some of your go tos? What do you oh, What do you own gosh. on DVD? What do I own on or, DVD or Blu Ray um, or VHS? Two thousand eleven. Come on now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't have I don't have a super extensive extensive collection. Um, there was a time where the only two DVDs I had were uh, Chud and Caligula. Okay. So <laughs> um, I've, I've since I still Which, have those. Um, that makes it seem like you shoplifted them from the C section. The C section, <laughs> like the one, like the C's were right by the door. So these are the yeah, two I yeah. could grab. Your friends had dared you, and you're just like, ah, bah! <laughs> you just grabbed whatever. You these could ones. Get. Um, yeah, I think actually Caligula belongs to somebody else. Maybe I just kind of. Like happened upon it, and Chet at this point, Caligula belongs to us all. <laughs> it's a great, it's a, it's a terrible. Like I love kind of terrible, great uh-huh. movies. Um, and I love uh, Malcolm McDowell. Um, and anything that has to do with Rome, and that movie's yeah. fascinating to me because of all the hardcore porn. Um, uh-huh. but also it's like a good movie. If there wasn't a hardcore porn, I think I'd like it. Um, I mean, it's Helen Mirren, Peter O'Toole, they were yeah. great. But then there's just all this, like, and violence. Like, it's a crazy yeah. violent. Um, but you asked me what my favorite movies are, and I'm talking about Caligula. So well, that's... What, other, what other Roman <laughs> movies do you, do you like? I like, um, I like? I like Roman stuff Spartacus. Well. Sure. Um, yeah. That's obviously uh, probably probably the best one. Um, now I'm blanking on other good I think Roman the best movies. thing that... Uh, Joe Pantoliano was on The Sopranos for two <laughs> seasons. And... Uh, he was an awful person. He 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 beat his uh, pregnant mistress to death. But I think the best illustration that the Sopranos did of making him an awful person is that he loved Gladiator and hated Spartacus. And I was like, 
Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. That guy. I hate Gladiator. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. It's it's the worst. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Spartacus. I think I've seen Spartacus the most, maybe of any movie. Really. Hmm. Yeah, in a Latin class in like eighth grade, my teacher Lord Gilbert, like he would just play Spartacus. Like I, I don't know any Latin. Um, <laughs> I was in that class in eighth and ninth grade, and he just like we'd watch these weird cartoons called like Azerix cartoons that I don't remember any of those, and we watched Spartacus probably like five times, and then I've watched it on my own. You know, that's that's cred that that's the movie <laughs> you've seen. The movie I've seen more than any other would probably have to be Die Hard. Really, I've only seen Die Hard once. Uh, I, I, there was a summer when I, like, between like, like, fifth and sixth grade or sixth and seventh grade, where I probably watched Die Hard every day for three months. You know, actually, I've probably seen Caddyshack more than any uh, other movie because hmm. um, I remember seeing that when I was like two, and I've seen it so many times. But so many of those viewings, I was like also going to sleep. Right. So. It's a comforting movie to turn Th- that's on. That's one of those movies we we talk about, like, Tyler and I, we talk about how much we love uh, uh, Dirty Work with Norm MacDonald. Oh, yeah, that's a great movie. Um, Caddyshack is like that in that they're both really funny, but if you have, like, gone to film school and you watch Caddyshack, like, it's not well made. It's not, well a, made. like, a good movie, now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it doesn't really... Shoddy. It's kind of, it's not really, like, linear. Like, there's just a lot of choppy pieces. Yeah. Which is weird, because I've seen it so many times, but sometimes I'll watch it, and I'll be like, wait, what? I don't remember this happening. It, because yeah. it's just, like, kind of unmemorable scenes. It seems like, like, Caddyshack and Animal House are both, like, let's come up with a setting and a general right. idea, and then let's just come up with a bunch of funny scenes, and we'll put the best ones into the movie in some sort of order. And I, I don't like Animal House very much. Um, I think it's really overrated. Mm. Maybe the most overrated comedy ever. Um, and I think mm. that that's... The, the, and maybe it's like that I'm a woman, uh, and I think that uh, John Belushi's really overrated. Uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with, like, I just think he's overrated, and then, like, reading, right. like, all the, like, SNL stuff that he, like, wouldn't be in a sketch written by a woman. And, uh. and then, like, you know, that whole... Uh, that that character he did, now it's I'm blanking with the knife. It's racist. Yes, yes, samurai. Yes, yeah. I just think he's a dumb racist, and uh, and that he died early, so people love him. Um, yeah, which is a drag. I can see that. I should probably watch Animal House again because I honestly I don't feel qualified to defend it because I haven't seen it in so long, and maybe if I watched it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hold up. Strangely enough, when I think of Animal House. He is usually. I usually think about it for a while before I remember right. he's in it. Like Peter Regert and Tim Matheson, Karen Allen, and Karen Allen. Yeah, I think I like all and uh, great Bruce McGill uh-huh. is in the film. Like Do- I think of Doomsday? like Day is that what it is or D Day? D Day, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Like I think of all of these people first, but and then I think, oh right, this was for all intents and purposes a vehicle for right. uh, John Belushi. But the. Uh, John Belushi does have what might be my favorite part in the movie when he's t- helping the guy back the car up into the garage and mm-hmm. he keeps on waving him back and then the car hits the back wall and he's like, it's good. It's yeah, a, that's It's fun. a funny little... I do like when he's uh, sneaking along in the, uh, like in the yard at <laughs> night and uh, he's just being... But that's just him being like a larger guy see, yeah, doing goofy things, yeah. that's which can thing, be funny. But that scene now is what makes me think that if I went back to watch it, I wouldn't like it as much because that seems so broad. Right. Uh, like, yeah. it, it doesn't seem like observed character comedy, which not, I guess not all comedy has to be. 
Well, dirty work is not observed character <laughs> comedy. You're right. Way out of line. Way out of line. That whole thing. <laughs> and I laugh every time I see it. You like, you're like? you a fan of dirty work? I do like dirty work. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I, I think Norm MacDonald's great. And uh, I remember seeing that in the theater and laughing a bunch. Yeah. But I can't remember any specific parts. Do you remember it. the part? It's the part I always mention. <laughs> it's at the very end. <laughs> when he's Norm MacDonald has, I think he's, I can't remember, he's like, got his tape recorder that he has the whole movie and he's oh, caught yeah. Christopher McDonald saying something he's like got it on tape and Christopher McDonald like takes the uh the tape recorder and throws it off the balcony at the opera and it just hits some a, guy it's or a, a reporter, news reporter. Yeah. it hits him in the head and he goes ah oh, son of a bitch bastard yeah uh, these uh, no one's laughing right now but I don't understand That's uh, you hilarious. and I laughed, <laughs> you and I used to say son of a bitch bastard to the point that it has become an actual thing I say when I'm frustrated <laughs> you and I used to say it all the time so no I'm I'm with you I'm listening um but uh, so apparently between John Belushi backing the car up in this I just like these little moments that have zero to do with the story yeah or or character i don't know why i was harping on character centric comedy which leads me to uh veer off into uh, a couple of different uh issues um what is your and this is a uh, television actually more than uh, movies what do you think of uh like family guy family guy um i'm not a big fan of mm-hmm. um and the thing is about that like there's a lot of really, really funny jokes on Family Guy, mm-hmm. and I've definitely seen episodes that I think are really funny. Um, I think there's a lot of like talent behind that, but the really broad, you know, I I love The Simpsons like to a point. Like I think The Simpsons should have been taken off the air, like everyone else yeah. does. You know, like fifteen to twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, but like you know, like seasons four through ten of The Simpsons, like some of the best TV ever made. Yeah. I really love South Park, and I think that's still great. And I love the way that South Park stays culturally relevant. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't agree with a lot of the politics, but it still makes me think. And I think it's great. And I think it's yeah. the kind of comedy that can appeal to people like on the lowest common denominator up, you know, which right. I think is is brilliant. Um, I think like you know, Sasha Baron Cohen can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Trey Parker and Matt Stone can do that. Um, and uh, I think like Idiocracy is a good example of a movie that does that, um, but not not very much comedy can do that. Um, Family Guy, on the other hand, I think it's just so broad, and that there'll be like these gems, but in the middle of just like fart jokes and like just like cultural reference, you yeah. know, and just like okay, man, like and I, it's like I love Conway Twitty, and people are like, you must love Family Guy because you love Conway Twitty, and I'm like, <laughs> no, that sucks. Yeah, that's it, not it's, why. It's sort of like a scattershot, like a buckshot approach to to joke writing yeah like if you watch family guy you know that every 15 to 20 jokes there's going to be a good one but yeah. you have to suffer through all those what you're talking about those those references and, and the reason that i that i brought it up is because of david of what you had said earlier which is uh this idea that you like just the random moments you know in a in a movie um and some would say that like well, Family Guy's nothing but that. So and wouldn't, wouldn't you like I it? I think the reason that uh, the Son of a Bitch Bastard thing works in Dirty Work is because it's uh, a, 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 a random or you know a disconnected moment in the middle of the sort of climactic scene of the movie. Whereas of a flim- flimsily plotted right. movie, admittedly, but it's still but a plotted yes. movie. Whereas with Family Guy, when it's all 
random moments, there's no context for the randomness to be funny. Mm-hmm. Right. If that makes sense. And I, it's interesting because I actually, uh, the last few days, I uh, have been watching and thinking about the uh, airplane films because I love airplane. I seem to recall you and I once had a discussion of what what is the funniest movie ever made? Yeah, let's and not, I, uh, obviously you feel it's airplane. I feel it's airplane. What, do, what would you say is the funniest movie ever made? Strange Brew. Strange hmm. Brew. He says airplane. I say Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's uh, it's like Life of Brian is one of them. See, too. I think Life of Brian is a better film, like we we're talking about with Caddyshack. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But as far as just laughs per minute, Holy Grail gets me more. Which is odd because we've mentioned Life of Brian and Holy Grail. I just I had seen it of course before several times, but I just rewatched for the first time in many years, uh, Meaning of Life. And I laughed really? uproariously. Do, are you not a fan of it? I'm really not a fan of it. Uh, I think there's, you know, moments that are funny, but it's just it's it's all over the place too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so. it also um, I think Meaning of Life was, yeah, Life of Brian is definitely I think their their best film in terms of filmmaking. Meaning, but Meaning of Life ha- is at times more adventurous in terms of format and aesthetic, you know. And um, you know the the whole thing with the 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 Maitre D who keeps saying, "Come on, follow me, follow me," and yeah, it's yeah. like uh-huh. a five minute segment ending in just like him telling off the camera and walking away. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it's one of my favorite parts of the movie because it's really funny, but I think it's also really effective uh, and daring filmmaking to have that in the middle of the movie and. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's Michael Palin? No, it's uh, Eric Idle. Who is it? It's Eric Idle. Eric Idle, that's right. Yeah. Um uh, I I feel like he really they also grew as actors as their sketch show and yeah. and uh yeah. and their movies went on and he really sells that from an acting standpoint. But okay, in the in our emails before <laughs> uh recording you were talking about dark comedies uh as something that you like. Uh how right. do you define that? Or what, give me some examples of the dark darker comedies yeah. that you like. I don't know. I mean, I've always been a big like Heather's fan. Yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite movies as a like I guess a, a young teen. Um, I think Heather's. I, I, I'm doing way too much of the talking today. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. Um, Heather's is one of. The, I mean, certainly. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge comedy fan, and certainly there are lots of milestones such as discovering Monty Python, uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. But Heather's is probably one of the formative things in terms of what I think of as funny because. It was on Comedy Central. They would show it in the middle yeah. of the day all the time at like uh, the babysitter's house when I was in elementary school, you know. Uh, and we'd have to go to the babysitter's house after work, and I probably after work <laughs> after school, and I probably shouldn't have been watching Heather's, but uh, whatever. Um, and so it was on Comedy Central, so obviously I knew it was supposed to be funny, and so therefore it was funny to me. Right. And I, I, I think so. I think that's. Heather's is one of the dark comedies that I like and probably one of the reasons that I lean toward darker comedy. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, I've always, I'm a big, I'm a big horror fan. Um, and though I don't like slashes, I like, like, supernatural horror a lot. And there's not that many good horrors. Um, but two of my favorite movies are The Exorcist 1 and 3, uh-huh. which I think are extremely well-written movies. You know, which is why they're so good. And there's really, really funny parts. And those, I wouldn't classify those as comedies. Right. Um, <laughs> but there's super funny parts. And I think that that's like, and then like a movie like Clockwork Orange, super dark movie, really funny. Yeah. Um, satire, you know, like if, 
like the first time I saw that movie, I was way too young to see Clockwork Orange. Way too young, and yeah. it horrified me. I didn't know why. Like I was just like, this is weird and not good. And like I'm the youngest of five kids, so I would just like my brothers would leave stuff around, and I'd be like, what's this? You know, yeah. like see stuff alone and be like, ah. I remember, um, uh, and I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Um, feeling. Not only because of all the the just awful like rape and everything in the movie, but the part when he's in the prison and he's imagining himself as Jesus, uh-huh. that was the part that really like because I grew up Catholic and that was just so not that sort of like blasphemy was like not tolerated at all, and that was that was the thing that made me feel like I was doing something wrong by watching that movie in middle school. How, yeah, how old I, were you when you watched uh, Clockwork Orange for the first time? The first time. I don't even know. Really uh-huh. young. Like, I, I think actually my brothers were watching it, and I walked in, and I, I definitely didn't see the whole thing. I mm. saw, I, I don't even know up to what point, but I was just like, this is wrong! <laughs> and, like, started crying and, like, left the room. And I have actually like, no idea what point in the movie I proclaimed it was wrong, but that movie always stuck with me as, like, that's an important movie because it's so naughty. It's such a bad movie. And then watching it later, I was like, oh, this movie's really good. And then, like, watching it recently, I think kind of watching things, like, like doing comedy almost ruins comedy because you then get, like, this eye for comedy. Right. Um and you you know just like critiquing everything just like i mean i'm sure like film school i'm sure kind of ruins films in a way but where it's like i find funny moments in things that that aren't funny at all and then i think dark comedy john waters i think is like a master mm-hmm. of dark comedy mm-hmm. um is something i connect with more because it's not the obvious stuff like the movie like i said strange brew is like probably the funniest movie to me and that's a movie i saw when i was like four so that's like four-year-old me thought it was hilarious and uh 29-year-old me thinks it's hilarious so <laughs> like that's a good movie you know but i think like to to have comedy where where there wouldn't be normally like a movie like serial mom or heathers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um which are both really violent yeah. <laughs> I, i'm gonna come off as like someone that really likes violence and i <laughs> and i don't so like but and it's and it's odd because as I've as I've gotten older because I used to love violence when I was a kid as so many you know young boys did, uh, but I mean I would like just really graphic horror violence and as I've gotten older I think I've gotten as as David has mentioned about himself I've gotten a bit more squeamish and like I start to question the morality of it of like showing it like this. However, if there is a comedy component to it, I'm usually willing to accept way more violent things. Yeah. Yeah, um, because it's just like ah, eh, they've got a sense of humor about it <laughs> just yeah, yeah, for yeah. some reason. And some people could say it's like, yeah, but that sense of humor shows a certain flippancy towards violence. And <laughs> how is that any better? The, but uh, for some reason, it, I, I'm okay with it. Well, if they made, I mean, if they made Heather's as you know, completely serious movie, which in a way it could be taken as a really mm-hmm. serious movie, mm-hmm. you know, that would be. Like, it would be like the elephant movie. It would be like the Gus Van Sant movie, you know, it'd be horrifying. Yeah. Or if they made, like, The Hangover as, like, this is a, like, story about, like, this, like, horrible alcoholic blackout, <laughs> like, this, like, depraved night, and, like, all these awful things happen. I mean, they could totally do that, like, twist it, and it'd be, like, this awful, like, barfly-type movie, you know? Yeah. And I, uh, I like barfly. I do, too. I've never I seen d- it, actually. I don't like elephant. Um, the elephant's really depressing. Like yeah. I like us fan Sant a lot. So do I, I liked uh, I liked Jerry. Uh, did you see that see, one? I think Jerry's kind of boring. 
I, that one worked for me. And then I didn't see Last Days, which I guess is sort of the third in that, that also boring, that but good. Trilogy. I mean, I, I like. I I should watch Jerry again because I watched that when I was like super sick. Um, yeah. I was like super sick, and I was like wanting to watch something entertaining, and uh, I watched that, which just yeah. made me feel sicker. <laughs> yeah, I was just like you know, not the right frame of mind. Yeah. And that will uh, transition me into something <laughs> that I was going to say a moment ago, but Sorry. thankfully it, it works out again as well. Uh, a movie that I watched when I was sick, uh, like a really terrible cold, and I was doped up on cold medicine. I had seen the movie already, but it was new on video, and so I said, so my mom said, well, I'm going to go out and get some groceries. Do you want me to pick up a movie for you? I said, sure. Get me Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> And what's more, when I'd seen it before, I saw it in the theater with my dad. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was 16. Let's watch the just the most disgusting, depraved movie with your dad. Uh, but uh, And he uh, did not uh, care for it. And I actually just rewatched that movie um, like two or three weeks ago. And, and it's odd because as you were describing the hangover with some of the zany laughs taken out, I found myself thinking like, yeah. oh, like the that diner scene with Ellen Barkin and Benicio Del Toro in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, like probably the most straightforward uh, scene in the film. Uh, and and it just got, just got me thinking. Um, I feel like I'm not the only person to point this out, but that okay. diner scene, I don't know if you remember it. Yeah. Uh, it's like... The only time in the movie, and I think this is intentional, that we're not experiencing, we're experiencing the scene from Ellen Barkin's point of view, right? M- more than than uh, Raul Dukes and Doctor whatever his name, uh, and it, Gonzo, Doctor Gonzo, right? It's the only time in the movie where we're n- not in their head, and it's, and and so it colors the their behavior for the rest of the movie because we're seeing like, oh, this stuff that they are having fun and being crazy with is actually horrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it is uh, like when I yeah when I said like straightforward. I guess that's what I meant. It's just it's objective. It's we're not inside their head with all the crazy stuff affecting the way we see things, uh, where things aren't. It's funny. It's gross, but it's still kind of funny. Like it is just truly monstrous and fr- and frightening, legitimately mm-hmm. frightening. Uh, but it led me to uh, want to ask this question: a movie like that, which is. Considered a comedy. Right. D- did you find that uh, funny? I will not uh, judge you if you say yes. Finland, let's say yes. There's definitely funny parts to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, but I think it's all sort of in the way that you watch it. Like seeing Tobey Maguire knowing that he's Tobey Maguire, like with a bald <laughs> cap as like some crazy hitchhiker is, is super funny. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm i not a huge uh, like Hunter S. Thompson fan. So I think mm-hmm. that that's... And and I think that's the sort of sensibility, like, you know, obviously <laughs> it's Hunter Thompson mm. uh, movie, you know, like I, it, it's just sort of gross to me, you know, like just that, that whole scene. Um, mm-hmm. I, I respect it. And a lot of my friends love his work and love that movie. And um, I like the movie where the Buffalo room more. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe that is that it's a more like straightforward um, approach to it, you know, and I like Bill Murray. I like Johnny Depp a lot too. Um, Still, like who did, yeah, yeah. Even though he makes movies <laughs> that I don't want to see anymore. Yeah, but I mean, he's always been kind of cheesy, and right. like now he's just like mainstream cheesy, yeah. as opposed to you know like quiet drama kid cheesy. Right. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, like, like Benny and June cheesy. <laughs> yeah, Benny and June cheesy is maybe the height of cheesiness. <laughs> <laughs> like. 
it, it, early 90s Mary Stuart Masterson shot in Spokane, Washington. Uh-huh. You can't get more cheesy than that. <laughs> and that, that, Yeah, that's another one I'd have to revisit because I have nothing but positive memories of Benny and June, but if you like described it to me now, I don't think I'd have... I don't think I'd want to see it. Was at he all. retarded? Like, is that? I mean, <laughs> no, it, he was. Uh, oh, God help me. He, he was whimsical. He was just too pure for this world, Susan. That's <laughs> and he that's loved what Buster Keaton. Yeah, right? I guess so. he was just. And he liked all those guys. Because I remember there was like a part in it. So that when I watched it, and I haven't seen that movie since I was like probably like thirteen or so, mm-hmm. and I loved it. You know, so I'll say that, you know, total disclosure. Oh, yeah. But I, I think I said the same thing. He, yeah. like, fills out an application for the video store because he loves movies. And he, like, writes his name, Sam, and, like, he barely can spell it. And I remember, like, my heart just thinking and being like, oh, he's retarded. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> like, just feeling like, oh, poor guy. And it still makes me sad. Like, someone that can't write. I I wouldn't now just assume they're retarded <laughs> after watching a whole movie of that character where they're clearly not, but that I still in my mind was like, oh, it's about a retarded guy. <laughs> it's like I Am Sam. Man, that movie's <laughs> hilarious. You know, I've never seen that movie. Um, it's a... Uh, hmm. The parts that are meant to be funny are just kind of annoying. The parts that are meant to be sad are funny, and uh, and I'm not a big fan of Sean Penn as you know. I know. literally can't remember if I saw I am, I am Sam or not. Really? I think I saw it. I can't. It came out at that time that I worked at the video store and saw. Oh, you saw, saw everything. everything. Yeah, yeah. So that's probably why it got lost. But I feel like you'd remember it because it is just just cloying and maybe I didn't see. No, it. thank you. Maybe I just saw the sort of Oscar clip <laughs> reel yeah. and felt like I I got it. Ugh, Sean I've Penn. never seen it. Why do you hate Sean Penn? So just pretentious? Or? Uh, because um, I guess it's been a while since I've said it on the show. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to answer your question either way. So listeners, screw you, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, uh, he, he seems to always be showing, trying to convince you that he has a real job and he's really working. Yeah. Uh, like Almost as if he, you know, as we see from like humanitarian efforts, he feels as a person i think a desire to matter and make a difference and there's nothing nothing wrong with that uh but it almost feels as though he is maybe ashamed of having uh a job or or being doing something that is it can be hard but it is also not as hard as other jobs and he loves doing it and so it now of course this is me psychoanalyzing him it might be none of this but either way he puts so much into every performance that after a while it feels like he always has just the weight of the world on his shoulders, whether it's right for the character or not. He's going to convince you that he is acting hard, and this is a hard job. Every once in a while, he drops it and turns in like every a once milk in a while, or every uh, once in a while you get a so milk good. or a sweet and low down, and you're like, Best times. "Oh, where yeah. this?" Who can say Spicoli? Yeah. yeah, like I'd like. To, where'd this guy come from? Yeah. I love this guy, and then you see like Mystic River and. You know, uh, uh, I've I've only seen clips of uh, his Willie Stark in the new All the King's Men, but just his just and he's he's even, good even in, in those. Yeah, and even like the assassination of Richard Nixon, he's good. But yeah. the same thing. And his few few scenes in the Thin Red Line are a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he is good. He's too hard. I won't say he's bad. It's just I can always. I remember a, an acting teacher I had in college. He used a phrase that I like to use, which is I can always see the strings when he's when right. he's acting. He's he's probably the best example of a super actory actor, and that's <laughs> I, I think 
that's one thing like I can't stand like li- living in LA and like you know acting and um and and writing and stuff and like dealing with actors that are so into being actors you know mm-hmm. like and and you can see it like I think Sean Penn yeah like Milk is amazing like I think he's great in that mm-hmm. and and it doesn't come off as that but yeah like in in interviews and stuff um and I, I briefly met Sean Penn once and he was like really nice but like insane and uh and and actually said to to like me and my friend like you guys are real people you know that's so cool like you've been friends a long time that's what I'm talking about real people you know like that's so real it's so good and he was like and it was like genuinely enthusiastic but it was just like what like imagine he does that with every person he meets he like he tells them like you know that they're real people or whatever and he knows that like that will affect them because i'm sean penn you know and it did it it did affect me everything about what you just said about that interaction reminds me of the movie barton fink (laughs) have you seen Barton? oh yeah yeah where it's just it's that it's like you know i envy you you're a real person not high up on a pedestal as I am. <laughs> Brilliant. Yes, yes. Famous. He's like very rich. I could I could tell you some stories. <laughs> uh, sure you could, and then just yeah. interrupts him immediately. Yes. But that reminds me of a story that is not my story, but uh I you know, I have nothing to do with it, just a story that someone told me. A friend of mine um was um a PA on a movie that Kevin Costner was in. And this friend of mine is a, a Mexican American and he was hanging out with some other PAs who were also uh, both Mexican and black and Kevin Costner came up to them and started talking to them and then apropos of nothing said you know I grew up in Compton <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> which I guess he did live in Compton at one point Kevin Costner when he was young but uh, to just volunteer that because of because you're talking to minorities is, doesn't speak well but I think I, if you've been famous for too long you learn you lose the ability to remember how to interact with people. I'm sure, I think that's the best thing, though, is when people address, like, all minorities, like, <laughs> I guess one, you know? You're like, right. just like, you know, like, I am a big fan of Martin Luther King, like, to, like, some, <laughs> like, Jewish people. You know? <laughs> like, just like, wait, what? Oh, that, that happened to me the other day. I was, uh, um, <laughs> all right, uh, dropping the fourth wall a little bit i've been taken to, t- to task on twitter for talking too much about getting to go to press screenings but go to hell it's part of what i do now um, we don't get paid to do it yeah so anyway i was at the press screening for scream four and i was there early and uh the woman sat behind me she was clearly uh uh based on her accent american you know uh, she was vietnamese american and she worked for a vietnamese either newspaper or television station and this guy started talking to her, uh, and he's like, uh, he's like, so what do you work for? And she said, you know, Vietnamese, American, whatever. And he goes, uh, oh, I love pho. <laughs> Just, which is a, yeah, Tyler's, Tyler has, is the picky seat in the word, world and doesn't know that pho is a kind of Vietnamese soup, I guess, right? Yeah. It's delicious. I, it's great. But I wouldn't just volunteer that to a Vietnamese person as a way of showing that I'm down. <laughs> but oh, that reminds, that leads me totally unrelated to movies. Okay, so pho, for those who don't know, is spelled P-H-O. Uh, and so a lot of places, it's like a big thing now, a lot of places work the word into the name of their establishment. Yeah. So here are a few of the uh, 
uh, two of the things that I pass on the way to work every day. Uh, unforgettable. <laughs> and then the best one in the world, because it's based on the way you'd think it would be pronounced and not the way it's actually pronounced. You yeah, know. it looks like pho. Yeah, but you pr- you say pho. This place, it's uh, it's on Santa Monica and like uh, Beverly Drive or, or somewhere around there, right in Beverly Hills. It's called 9021 Pho. Awesome. <laughs> I, I there's a, a bird's prey sketch. I, I feel like ridiculous like being like, I wrote a sketch once, but I'm like extremely proud of this part in a sketch and since it was like a live show sketch, there's it's not on a video or anything. But we're uh it's like a sketch about a a book club where three women like one of the women um is super freaked out that the other woman mentions that she uses the shower at the gym and then the third woman keeps on talking about how like she's a sex addict and like has hepatitis c and stuff and like Uh that doesn't matter at all to this woman who's disgusted (laughs) by the showers at the gym she's just like no we've accepted that you're disgusting like but you you know like you're a real person and you don't you know and you take showers at the gym that's so gross and it ends with you know the lizzie played the woman who's like outraged like kicks emily and i out and emily played the the sex addict um so i say like do you want to go get some pho and she says, yeah, but I can't go to 456 because I've had sex with seven, eight guys there like nine, ten times. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like my favorite. Like, I'm so proud of that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's a number joke. It's a number joke. I enjoy uh, that. I like that a lot. I, I never retell. Now I don't put that on the podcast because <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry there. It's going. Is and this only... it's no editing? It's all live. Uh, we, we do we edit out. Like I edit out things that I don't that I regret saying. Right. And if then, I say something stupid, like say I enlisting Matt Besser's credits, name a movie that he wasn't in, for example, then we'll cut that out. So yeah. I'm yeah. Do you want me to cut we, that we, we out now? We won't cut this out. I want to. That was cut out. But I did when introducing Matt Besser, who was already dying of cat being allergic to Tyler's cat. I <laughs> named a movie he wasn't in. As one of his credits, it was a very embarrassing moment. Oh well. No. So yeah, we took that out. As and then uh, in the most recent BP supplement with Josh Fadum, uh, I did take out that extended conversation where I didn't, uh, I wasn't happy with any of the points I made. Oh, I liked that. So well, no matter what the guest says, uh, if, you, if no. there is something <laughs> you would specifically like yeah. us to take out, we can take it out. Yeah, we can take it out. <laughs> okay, I, I I I just I feel silly telling that story, but I mean because it's a story about a sketch, but it's not like an embarrassing. Right. Well, I love the story, but if you want us to take it out, no, <laughs> absolutely, we'll take out this conversation. No question. Oh no, we'll <laughs> leave in the conversation about it. No, I so everyone yeah. will be dying to know what the <laughs> sketch so, was. Yeah, people think that it's like something <laughs> super secret and personal. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, so now, real quick, because I know we're we're running a little short on time. Are there any other movies uh, off the top of your head that you really uh, that you really enjoy? Well, and and yeah, you mentioned supernatural horror. I feel like we talked yeah, about dark true. comedy, but I want to hear what your favorite horror movies besides The Exorcist. Um, well, The Exorcist 3 is probably my favorite. Um, did you see, I'm such an interrupter today. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Um, did you see The Exorcist prequel that, and there were two. I saw both, yeah. I didn't see the one that came out in theaters that was directed by, uh. Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan. I saw the Paul Schrader It was horrible. And the Paul Schrader one, Dominion, um, was good, but. Except they clearly gave him no budget yeah. for CGI because it's really that little snake was it's uh, really cheesy looking but I liked the Paul Schrader one it's um I'm you know I'm more uh, a fan of uh, William Peter Blatty uh, mm-hmm. and his writing and 
that's I, I think I mean there's just something about like the the whole vibe to like the Exorcist one and the Exorcist three that I just just really like um, taking out all the supernatural stuff. I mm-hmm. I just like it, you know, like I just like those movies. I think they're really well constructed. Um, I like uh, the Exorcist one, um, the the version they didn't show in theaters. How they added um, the scene at the end where the you know cop and the priest like talk about going to movies, mm-hmm. and you can see like oh if we just edited out everything in here, it's like a buddy comedy, you know. <laughs> and then in Exorcist three. Like, there's just, Georgie Scott is amazing, and there's, like, this carp monologue in there that, um, if you were to watch it, like, it's so good, and it's just so well acted, and, uh, Brad, uh, Brad Dourif plays the serial killer, yeah, and he, I think he's, like, one of the most underrated actors, like, yeah. his stuff on Deadwood, like, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so those two movies, but then The Shining, obviously, mm. um, super good. That's the thing about, like, I love supernatural horror. 99.9% of it just, like, sucks balls so bad. <laughs> um, there's, like, a handful. This movie, The Changeling, um, oh, the original yeah. one. Also um, with George C. Scott. Also George C. Scott, yeah. Um, yeah. Who's great, you know. Yeah. Obviously. Like, um, what else? What other? Uh, now I can't think. Uh, Did you ever see uh, The Others with Nicole Kidman? Yeah. And I, I liked that. I'm not a big twist ending uh, person, mm-hmm. you know. And I feel like that kind of came out at the time that all the M. Night Shyamalan stuff mm-hmm. was happening and that was still and that that does have but that is a good twist ending yeah mm-hmm. I feel like if that were to come out at a different time I probably would have had a different opinion on it yeah oh the orphanage oh um, that movie's amazing which I never saw so good it's yeah. more it's like that and like Pan's Labyrinth um I'd say are more like magical realism than yeah. than horror mm-hmm. anything um are you looking forward to uh What's it called? Don't be afraid of the dark. It's another mm. movie like the like the orphanage that uh, Guillermo del Toro oh, is producing, God. but not directing. Yeah, I, I haven't uh, heard of it, but now that you've told me about it, I'm looking forward to it's it. But I, I wasn't at the um, I didn't make the panel for it at Comic Con last year, but the people who did said that even the like minute of footage they showed there was terrifying, and they can't <laughs> wait to see I, it. Guillermo del Toro is the the devil's backbone. Yeah, um, that's like that's the thing I think like those movies. Like, Devil's Backbone is a genuinely scary movie, but mm-hmm. then it's just an awesome drama, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Just, And that's what I think is, like, a good horror movie. Like, I think that's the problem with, like, so many horror movies. Like, though I do I do kind of like, like, the original Amityville, um, you know, whatever, like, just shock value, like, scary movie. But, like, like, newer horror movies, like, so many of them, it's just, like, horrible scripts. They know it'll get sold. They make it cheap. Totally understandable, yeah. but, like, it's just all like ridiculous unrealistic shit and like you could make a great movie and have it be a horror movie and it'll be a classic yeah mm-hmm. or you can make like some um this thing that you talk about devil's backbone being a a real a good drama it's something that i i, I quote my uh tyler and i both had and in, in film went to film school together and had a teacher named ron Falzone who was a great teacher and he would often say because he was a big fan of genre films he would often say there's nothing to be said in cinema that you can't say in a genre film. And I think too many horror movies, like the, the ones you're talking about, those ones that are sort of cranked out by the studios to just like get butts and seats or whatever, are completely uninterested in being stories or having themes. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you mentioned The Shining, as terrifying a movie as that is, that's a movie about 
and abusive al- alcoholic father. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a real story, and mm-hmm. and the Devil's Backbone also has these these sort of great like the way it's rooted in the history of of Spain and and just the idea of being you know a childhood sort of outcast, not like fitting in, and all the thing all the things that are going on with the characters in Devil's Backbone add to the horror elements. Well, interestingly enough, I think that that's something that horror and comedy have in common the most, like, uh, you know, uh, especially, like, good horrors and good comedies, shitty horrors and shitty comedies, like, they will, you know, like, they'll always sell, like, people will always see the new horror movie or the new comedy, like, whether they're good or not, you can make movies like, you know, National Lampoon just, like, cranks out so many, just like, there's boobs and there's right. drinking and, uh, you know, when National Lampoon used to make, like, we were talking about earlier, like, pretty good movies, the Zucker mm-hmm. Brothers used to make good movies, now they make shit. Um, or one of those, I don't know, whatever. Um, whoever makes those movies, they, they're horrible. Um, yeah, now it's the Seltzer and Friedberg. Right. Mm. It's, it's, so it's completely, I don't even, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Scary movie and scary movie two were the Wayans brothers. Right. right. Scary movie three and four were Zucker. Yeah. And then there were these guys who had worked on scary movie one and two named, is it Aaron Seltzer or and J- Jason? There's it, a, one's Seltzer Jason and, and Aaron, and then I don't remember the And parent. they're the ones who crank out these movies. They're Epic. not even, they're not comedies. They're hardly even movies. Right. They're just, they're just, yeah, like a an, collection like, of references. Yeah, they're just are a bunch of like celebrity like stuff. And yeah. like, yeah, I, those are such a drag. Like, and, and I feel like that's the thing, even kind of good comedies. And and this is the area where like I don't ever want to like trash on friends or, or anything or like people that you know that I hope to work with that are working <laughs> on stuff, but even like good comedies are basically you know can just be like a collection of jokes and gags and like you know you can tell that like I, I mean I like I love uh, like like Will Ferrell and stuff, but a lot of those movies you know that like they just let those guys improvise, yeah, and then it's just like like that movie Step Brothers was really bad. You know, and like those yeah. are two really funny guys, but you know, and a really talented, talented comedy director. But it's just like maybe like they are laughing too much at, at on set, and then they just like edit together this it, movie. That's it's like, almost what? kind of numbing that they're not interested in telling a story. Yeah, there's whereas no... a movie from the same year as Step Brothers that I loved and think was probably the funniest movie of 2008 was Role Models. Oh uh, yeah, Role Models is really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and because it's interested in the characters and their process and you think about the the movies that we think of as classic comedies like annie hall and uh planes trains and automobiles like if these came out today people would think of them as dramas because they're not just joke machines which seems to be what we've been conditioned to expect and that was i I think seeing role models was so refreshing because it was like and, and i remember seeing it and being like oh my god you can tell it has a script yeah. You know, and that's yeah. like that was refreshing for a comedy because it's mm-hmm. just like this collection of like, and you know, it, like I think Anchorman is really, really good comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, but it seems like after that point, it was just like just improvise and we'll just put the craziest snippets into a movie, and like sometimes it works and, and other times it doesn't. But are you a fan of this? Is again getting to TV a little bit, but he's also done movies. Uh, are you a fan of Eastbound and Down? Have you yeah, watch that? You know, I. I I like it, and I, you know, I, I, I think it's funny, and I think there's like a bunch of really talented people on that. Um, what didn't, um, didn't those guys have something to do with uh, all the real girls too? That movie, they're like, from that, uh, they're he's, he has a small role, right? Danny McBride is in all the real girls, right? But I think but like Paul David Schra- Gordon Green, David Gordon Green, and and Paul, Paul Schrader, Sh- Schneider, Schneider, yeah, 
Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, Paul Schrader is the yes. guy who wrote Taxi Driver. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. Film nerds are going to be like, what a stupid lady. Um, He's sorry. down. has got sorry, that nerds. Schrader mark all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys all went to film school together, which is why they collaborated on Your Highness, which is probably the worst movie of 2011 so far. I haven't so seen far. it. Don't. Okay. It's so bad. Um, I really like uh, All the Real Girls. Yeah. Um, and I like Danny McBride. Um, I think Foot fist way is funny. Did you see um, Observant Report? I did, yeah. And I I liked it. Um that's a, a very dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Um it that was another scene where like it, it felt like it was like super serious, like dark comedy, um like almost going into like woman under the influence like type right. you know, yeah. movie where it's like, Oh, this is so uncomfortable <laughs> but well, like I think funny. The movie, it got compared to a lot and that i just mentioned is taxi driver right it did it, yeah it and totally see that like a total anti-hero it got mm-hmm. compared to clockwork orange a bit too yeah. you know mm-hmm. and um and there's a you know rape scene which was kind of like uncomfortable um i thought anna ferris was brilliant and i think she's great mm-hmm. i think seth rogan i think he's great in that um yeah i think he can be great i, I thought that was a good movie but then there was like wacky scenes out of nowhere, you know, yeah. where it'd just be like this kind of like linear story. And then like, here's something wacky. And it was just like, do we have to put something wacky right here? Like, yeah. And I, I just saw Bridesmaids. I love that movie. I felt like there was like some of that in there, too. I haven't seen it like, yet. It's, it's, do you like it? I liked it a lot. Uh, I, yeah, I liked it uh, quite a bit, uh, primarily because um, I responded to, you know, I mean, ostensibly there's like six characters. Um, and I responded to, I'm going to say, probably f- like four of them. And then the other right. two were f- were fine. Yeah. Um, but I liked, I thought the acting was really great. And it's, and it, it felt like, I mean, it kind of has that Apatow feel to it where they're taking the characters seriously mm. as real characters that are consistent and make choices. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Let me ask you both, because I thought Rose Byrne was great on Damages. Is she funny in Bridesmaids? Um... Yeah, I mean, she's definitely, you know, the, I don't know. She's often the person, she can be funny, but she's, and I wouldn't go so far as say that she's like kind of the, the the straight woman in, of the bunch, but she is often the person who, when somebody reacts to her, that's where the comedy yeah. comes. Okay. Uh, and then some of the some of the humor comes from her being so conceited and just always trying to put like a happy face on things and uh but by and large and she's good she's very good but as far as like a huge laugh getter i'd say it's not not really her she's i think she's great in it um the interesting thing is i think that that's the role that is typical for a woman in a comedy Mm -hmm. like especially in like apatow movies like there's the cool girl that gets it or there's like the stupid bitch, you know, <laughs> and like that's it. And it's so refreshing to see like a movie, which, you know, Bridesmaids, I was like, I might hate it, you know, like I'm not going to go in being like, just because I'm a woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm going to like this movie, but I love it. You know, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like th- that, that Rose Byrne definitely plays that character that uh, like Judd Apatow's wife might play in another mm-hmm. movie, yeah, you know, absolutely. like, which it's, n- there's nothing wrong with that. And that is reflective of real people and Rose Byrne does a really great job but I think this movie has like real rich developed female characters you know where in any other comedy of the last 15 years would be the man you mm-hmm. know right 
Um, it's an, uh, I do want to. I know that we got to wrap up, but I did want to talk so about some here. of Sorry. the this is keep fun. It here so late. <laughs> some of the uh, like in talking about horror movies and 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 comedies or really any genre um, movie where it is so easy to just crank out shit. Yeah, and it is the realization that like if you if you did, I'm going to say three slightly different things, something that's just a little bit new or original or that you really believe in it wouldn't you know that doesn't necessarily make it a great movie but it will make it memorable and like you were saying with horror movies it will make because so many of them are crap anyway you make one that's even slightly distinct um and people will remember it for i'm going to say at least 10 years if not as long as horror movies are around and and it made me and so as i was as i was thinking about that i thought of a movie like alien right which people myself included say is one of the best horror movies of all time there's sci-fi in there but it's mostly a horror movie and it's like okay well what made that interesting one is female female protagonist mm-hmm. who doesn't who emerges as the protagonist yeah uh and then one is the the alien life cycle uh, you know like laying the egg it burst out stuff like that that was kind of new and really horrific to people and just like a real commitment to uh, art direction and that sort of thing. And so, so like uh, Giger in general, I guess was probably like, so that's, that's the three new things in a movie. That's basically just a monster eating people one at a time. Like that's really all it is. It happens to be in space. Fair enough. That's not, it wouldn't be the first time for that either. But those three things carried out uh, makes for like one of the best horror movies of all time. And, you know, you mentioned, like, Observe and Report, and, yeah, it's got the silliness in it, but to its credit, it's not only the silliness. Like, it has (laughs) the rape scene that, while horrible, is still kind of funny um, because of of Anna Faris. Mm -hmm. And its willingness and the, uh, should I spoil, I don't want to spoil Observe and Report, right? Like. The the cli- climactic moment where he finally <laughs> reports gets his man. Yeah, you're just like whoa! Like you don't see that coming. Also Speak- shocking and funny yeah. and very violent. To go back to what you were saying, and the earlier. scene that I always talk about his his like interview with the police psychologist oh. woman, which is the most horrifying insight into this crazy person's <laughs> mind, but also the funniest thing in the whole movie. Do you remember the scene when he's talking yeah, about yeah. his dream? So great, the, uh, it's so sad, and the best acting I think of Seth Rogen's career. That's yeah, oh, I'd say he's that, yeah. he's great in that. That mm-hmm. like movie. Totally proves that he's that he's a good actor. And but the film did not do well, right? So. Like no. I don't think it did well. But at the same time, it's like, and this is where this is where like we're a film criticism podcast, so we can speak in ideals and say, who cares if it made money? It's memorable. People remember it. Right. Well, no one gives a shit about that, and you do want it to do well, so that Hollywood will want to do more of that. But again, Hollywood, much like Anchorman, which had a lot of improvisation and Hollywood's like, and it did well. And Hollywood's like, Oh, people <laughs> yeah. want more improvisation. And now yeah. the new thing, like you mentioned with role models, now the new thing is an actual script. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, okay. Yeah. Like you said we have to, have to uh, wind up or, you know, wrap it up here, but I want to, you know, we've been talking about horror movies. We talking about dark comedy. We've been talking about uh, comedy movies that have stories and characters and are actual through line. And somehow we have managed to not talk about Shaun of the dead. At mm. all, which I think have you seen? Shaun oh of the yeah, Dead? yeah, it's great. I think it's it's. I haven't seen it in a long time. I, I I just rewatched it recently, and I think 
Um, a, a while ago, a couple months ago, we had Paul F. Tompkins on the show, and we were just sort of talking about the sort of the the different camps of movie comedy. Like, there's the Apatow guys, yeah. and there's the uh, I don't know who else there are, uh, but the, uh, the, <laughs> really the, made an impression. The two camps that I said show the most promise are the Jody Hill, Danny McBride, observer report thing. This is before Your Highness, and the Edgar Wright. Simon Pegg, Nick oh, Frost yeah. thing. Because how did you feel about? Did you see Scott Pilgrim versus the World? Yeah, I really liked it. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was great. I love it too. I feel like most of our listeners do, but we seem to have had a we seem to have had a, a, a series of guests who disagree with me. Yeah, I've had a lot of my friends hate it um, too. I don't I don't understand why. I mean, I I think like you know a lot of people are just like oh it's it's hipsters and it's like these like young twenty like I think I think people. As soon as they're like mid to late twenties, early thirties, like automatically hate anyone younger than them, <laughs> and like, so there's like this like backlash of like I hate Michael Sarah because he's a young thin boy, yeah. you know, and like I feel like that's a lot of my friends are like you know thirty year old dudes who aren't as successful as Michael Sarah, <laughs> so, uh-huh. like, so they hate. But the I kind of am like that. A it's not just with Scott Pilgrim. It's not just the aesthetic of the hipster world it actually right. i don't know if it's because of uh, brian lee o'malley who wrote the graphic novel it's actually insightful into it's... this the kind of the kind of world like my there's it's sort of like my post-college life in chicago when i was just working at a video store and going to parties and shows and stuff and not that i was ever as hip as michael Sarah, but uh uh it felt so so well observed it wasn't yeah. it wasn't just like uh you know when urban outfitters ad or something no mm-hmm. and it's funny and like it's it's unexpected like mm-hmm. you know i knew that there's some sort of like magical things that were supposed to happen and then it was based on a comic book but it sells it like that you mm-hmm. know it just all of a sudden like has to do these battles and i was on board yeah you know and i think i think one of the things it does best and i think at some point we should move away from this because i think maybe I don't know. Listeners are t- you and I talk have talked about it for a, well over a year at this point. <laughs> well, not over a year. I guess no, ten. Came out I guess in ten months. August. Um, but you were also ta- we were also talking about it before it came out because we were skeptical about it. But anyway, no, um, I wasn't. It you was one of the few movies that I was. If you go back and listen to our summer movie preview last year with Josh Fadum, okay, I lay out the reasons that I'm actually, even though I hadn't read the comic, looking forward to Scott Pilgrim, which okay. is unlike me. That is very I unlike tend to you. Have a negative idea of every movie until I see it. That's the spirit. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, wait. what were you going to say? No, go for it. Uh, what I was going to say is that uh, what I like about Scott Pilgrim so much as far as the use of action and you know video game stuff and comic book stuff is that for a lot of people, a lot of, I would say, men specifically, when you are younger, you think in these terms. You think, man, I wish I was a superhero. Like, I wish. <laughs> I think it now. <laughs> I, it's just like that's, oh, that's I, not gender specific. Just so, yeah, I, I yeah. wasn't sure. You know. <laughs> you know what I used to? Uh, you know, now I live in 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 the valley. You know, the suburbs, and I have a parking <laughs> spot. But when I lived in Chicago, the superpower I wanted the most, I wanted to be Magneto, because I would look at a row of parking spots and be oh. like, if this person were moved up a little, if this person moved back a little, I could fit my car in there. And I wish I could have just had Magneto's powers to just rearrange the cars on the block so I could fit my, my car in there. I want. I just want to say real quick, it's it's kind of switching gears, um, but I was just thinking of, of Michael Sarah and uh, and movies that came out recently that were great and underrated, uh, Youth and Revolt. Did you guys mm-hmm. see that? I didn't I see did, it. Yeah. Um, what did you think? 
I uh, I liked it. I wouldn't say I loved it, but it was so it was unique. I'll say that. Like it was very. I don't know. It felt. I I had a hard time knowing what it was trying to accomplish, but I found that invigorating. Right. And uh, because it, it certainly was not a run of the mill drama, n- and certainly wasn't run of the mill comedy. And I uh, and I really liked it, and I liked him in it as well. Yeah, I really liked it, and I'm I'm not a I, I'm not a huge Michael Sarah fan. I mean, he's he's fine, and it, he's good when he's used right, you mm-hmm. know. And I feel like both Scott Pilgrim and Youth and Vault, and I was skeptical of that um, because Youth and Vault uh, was one of my favorite books when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I was excited for it to come out, but also was like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. know, it's the kind of young actor of the moment. And I think in the book, I haven't read it in a long time, but I think that. Protagonist is supposed to be like 14 years old, you know, mm-hmm. he's not, and, and whatever, like it's two years older, not a big difference, but still, you know, like the book is fucked up, like it's <laughs> a really screwed up book, um, it's great, but you know, they can obviously get darker in the book because it's a book than right. in the movie, um, but I was really impressed by it, I really liked it. And it was pretty mm, dark. Yeah. I, I kept, I kept expecting, I think partially because... This is what I, as a movie goer, have been conditioned to expect. I kept expecting things to turn out well. Right. I kept expecting this, like his parents, to finally, you know, or his, you know, the adult figures in his life to finally step up <laughs> right. and and be be parents or be adults, and and it kept not happening. It reminded me, in a lot of ways, of Ghost World. Uh, oh yeah. In that, you know, the the scene with uh, Bob Balaban as her father, where he finally like sits her down and. You instinctively, I'm like, oh, finally, he's going to tell her how much he cares about her, and he's going to help just a little bit. And then he doesn't. He right. shows how clueless he is and and ha- and really reinforces how alone she feels. And that's what I felt about Youth and Revolt is it kept almost – it kept like almost – like faking us in one direction, right. the direction we're used to as, as moviegoers, and then going very much in the other direction. You're like, oh, okay, all right, fair enough, Youth and Revolt. You've done <laughs> it again. So I enjoyed it. Well, uh, Susan, fair were, there, were there any other movies you wanted to to get to, to recommend to people or to, oh. to champion? Oh, gosh. Or, 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 or shall we just uh, wrap it up at the... Uh, uh, nearing the ninety-minute mark, I do want. I do want to uh, maybe even get I a bit more specific. I, I kn- well, no, I, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm putting a, a parenthetical on <laughs> on your on your question. Okay, um, because we have been doing a lot of episodes lately where you know a guest will come on. We won't talk about anything really in particular, and any one topic you mean? Right, and so one thing that I that I do want to maybe start asking the guests is is are there any movies that you love? And people, by and large, don't seem to know about. Like you mentioned, for example, like uh, The Changeling, not the Jolie one, but the, the, the Canadian film with George C. Scott. You mentioned something like that. Right. Are there any movies that you can throw out there and say, people should see this? Um, there's the answer is no, that's fine. Y- there's a movie <laughs> that if people can find, if they want to be horrified, mm-hmm. that they should see. Um, not the most recent movie called The Antichrist, but an old Italian horror called mm. The Antichrist. Have you guys heard of this? No, I don't it's know. Like, I, think it's, I think it's from like 72, and it's, a, it's an exorcism movie that was made, but I don't remember the name of the director, some guy who's directed like a million movies. You could, you could look it up on IMDb if you can find it. 
find it. Like mm-hmm. they had a copy at Video Hut and then Video Hut shut down and I wish I would have stole it. Um, it's this movie that was made after The Exorcist, you know, and they're like, oh, like we got to get on this like green puke thing. It's <laughs> the weirdest movie I've ever seen, I think. Like, because I can't tell if it's like intentionally so weird or if it's like lost in translation or what. But um, it's not for the squeamish. There's a goat orgy scene in it with a real <laughs> goat. Uh, um, yeah, it's when you not- say goat orgy, you're just talking about a bunch of goats, right? Just goats. <laughs> no, there's not. They, that, sound, that seems wholesome. <laughs> no <right> one. There. <laughs> there's no actual like penetration with a goat or anything. But there's like, it, and it's all these like dream sequences. It's about a woman who is like possessed with someone who she has reincarnated from. Who was a witch who was like her ancestor, and she is crippled and she's rich, and her dad <laughs> is with a younger woman, and she is in love with her brother, and uh, it's amazing. There's a part where there's like a, a Jesus with a boner for no reason. <laughs> like it's just like a picture of Jesus, and then yeah, I should I shouldn't have said that because that spoils it, yeah. but. <laughs> <laughs> I would venture to say that when that scene uh, comes up, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> I do think people will forget in the moment that you mentioned it. Yeah, exactly. And will be like, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah. now I remember. And it's just, it's just a picture. It's like, so when you say Jesus with a boner and go to orgy, it sounds more horrifying, except for not really. It's horrifying when you see it. <laughs> but there's no actual, you know, no... Uh, nobody's, like, hurt in it or anything. <laughs> but it's this movie that... And now that... uh that there's the uh, Lars von Trier Antichrist. You say, like, oh, I saw this fucked up movie called The Antichrist, and there's, like, yeah, that movie's fucked up. I was like, no, yes, that movie is <laughs> extremely fucked up. And maybe more fucked up, because, yeah, that there's, like, some... That movie's weird and misogynistic <laughs> and dark, and I still don't know how I feel about it. Um, but this movie, I know how I feel about it, and I love it. <laughs> it's great. Um, and it's, yeah, it's people well, should see it. On that note, thank you so much for being here. Susan. Thank this you. This has been a lot of fun. Um, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us, David at battleshipretention.com, Tyler at battleshipretention.com. I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the Twitter for his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. And my other podcast is the weekly television review show, Previously On, which you can find at previouslyonshow.com. Susan, where can people find you on the internet? Um, they can find me at my website, which is thatsusenberg.com. Um, they can also find me on Twitter, uh, at thatsusenberg. Um, and Birds of Prey, uh, is kakaka.com. That's my group with <laughs> Emily and Lizzie. And how's that spelled? Uh, K-A-W-K-A-W-K-A-W.com. Um, the Birds of Prey and Ka with a C were taken, so, um, <laughs> And then, uh, I don't know. Wait, what is at kakaka.com with a C? I don't know. <laughs> what you should go to it. <laughs> yeah. I've been to it, uh, but I don't remember what it was, so it wasn't that memorable. <laughs> it was probably, there's a lot of birds websites, um, yeah. <laughs> which I learned. The Birds of Prey has a Twitter, and um, it's not that active now because when we started, we all three wrote it, and we all just wrote like all the bird puns that we could think of. And, like, we ran out. Like, there's no more bird puns. We've literally, like, just used up all the bird puns that there is. But I've been to so many bird websites, 
you know, I mean, all pretty much during the same like week, but just like uh-huh. reading bird facts <laughs> and just trying to make puns out of them. And now, like every now and then, one will come to me, and I'll be like, "Oh, I should tweet that for the birds of prey." But um, <laughs> but yeah, people should uh, people should follow me on Twitter, and uh, except for not if they're gonna not if they're gonna reply really stupid things to to stuff I tweet. Yeah, here's a public service announcement. Uh, if you are a fan of a comedian on Twitter, don't try to tweet jokes at them. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. They're the comedians. You just be a fan. Just be appreciative. Well, Am I right? I mean, I'm, I'm not a comedian. I'm saying this from the fan point of view. But I feel like it's annoying when people try to show that they're, I guess, cool by making jokes at comedians. I think it's weird, and I never want to be a like a bully or anything like back at that by being like, well, now I'm going to really post this and show everyone how stupid you are or something like uh-huh. like that. But <laughs> it's not so much the jokes. It's the like just weird comments. Like people be like, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that joke before. Did you write that? And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully, you know, like responding with that or like um, the other day this, this happened, like somebody was like, like, what if? But what if this? Like, kind of asking, like, seriously? Like, I mean, that'll happen every now. Like, I'll, I'll tweet something, and I'm like, you know, and then someone will, like, ask, like, but what, like, what if this happened? And it's like, no, what? I'm not being serious. It's a joke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's it's a not even a good joke. Like, you're putting way too much stock in this. <laughs> but it, it bothers me because I'm like, I I, I want to respect people always, and like, unless, and then you know, people just write mean stuff, like just like, you know. Look in the mirror, you're ugly or something. Or like, are like, there's a lot of. I think being a girl, like, you get a lot of like, are you good looking? I can't tell. And it's like, <laughs> you follow me on Twitter. Like, there's porn. You can like go find that. Like, I'm not here to be like a babe. Yeah, but that porn doesn't make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want, I want both. I want to masturbate about us fighting and <laughs> get it running errands and, you know, not about just sex. You don't get it. Well, on that note, thank you so much for being here, Susan. This <laughs> was a lot you. of fun. Sorry we kept you so late. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Movies. Bye.